0: sit down episode 216 a review of avengers endgame april 27th 2019 hosted by ryan bull and tony christ the following podcast has been approved for all audiences by flying bull productions
1: (laughs) the best part of any film is the sit down afterwards Richard Lofsk and Ryan Bull
0: bring you Cinema Sit-Down. Welcome to Cinema Sit-Down. I'm Ryan Bull. One of two hosts across the table from me is Tony Christ, our newest member of the review team. How are you doing, Tony? Uh, good. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm excited. I love uh, the summer popcorn fest. That's kicking off today with Avengers, uh, Endgame.
1: Uh, yeah, no, uh, me too. I think you and I are unique in that way that we'll go to the based off our last movie review. We'll probably give as much praise for that as as the Avengers Endgame and like very opposite movie, movies. Like you wouldn't see one of those movies. Like oh, that type of guy likes this type of movie too.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely. There's a range of movies I like, but I was wondering which movie I'd rather go rewatch. And we can talk about that when we get into the reviews of this film. Uh, This is the 22nd Marvel film. They've been putting these out for the last 10 years. This is a direct sequel to last year's Avengers Infinity War. And basically, this movie picks up after the devastating events where the universe is now in ruins and the remaining Avengers have to assemble once more to try to undo Thanos' actions and restore the universe to the way it was. What did you think of this film, Tony?
1: Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I went and saw it yesterday, uh, which uh, which was today. uh, I watched it on Friday, so not quite opening night, but opening day uh and uh, i think we had talked about it before about spoilers so we wanted to go we saw it so that we wouldn't get it spoiled by our students you know knowing that
0: that was a distinct possibility yes i was very glad some students tried to spoil it for me they didn't go to theaters to see it apparently this has already hit the internet oh no available yeah and i yelled at them i said there's no reason why you should be watching this and one of the kids said no it looked fine on my phone not even close yeah th- this is a movie made for the big screen it is full of spectacle apparently this is the first Hollywood film to be completely filmed with a digital IMAX camera this movie is just pure eye candy I think yeah we can both agree on that so I think it's the whole the whole
1: movie is IMAX it's not just like clips I remember like Dark Knight I think was like scenes
0: were IMAX but not the entire movie yeah, they even changed the aspect ratio at times in that film because the IMAX format is such a lo- larger aspect ratio. Yeah, I remember, I think the Honest Trailer for Dark Knight shows that
1: where you know, they showed from scene to scene being cropped. And it's like, that's one. I like the Honest Trailers, but they do ruin movies for me in a lot of ways, too.
0: Yeah, go watch them after you've seen the film. So, after right, right. seeing uh, Endgame, are you happy with this? this culmination of sorts of 22 Marvel films? Uh, yeah, I think so. I
1: think it's a really good, um, you know, conclusion in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, because we do, we, you, know, you know, the new Spider-Man movie coming out here in the summertime. But, you know, I think for all intents and purposes, this is the culmination of all of that. And Spider-Man might be more of a bridge to the next one. But I think, you know, I think it answered a lot of questions. I think it saw, it, it, it brought up some new ones because uh, we'll get to those later about, you know, kind of setting up future s- movies in the series. So, you know, I think it did a really good job. It reminded me in a lot of ways, talking about, because it's 22 movies, very much like a, if you watch a TV show and you get to the series finale, uh, because, you know, you want things wrapped up and tightened, and you can tell when a show has started, they don't plan for it to go for, you know, something like, you know, like I'm a Simpsons fan for like 30 years. Obviously, the Simpsons series finale is going to be different from like, uh, I think your show is like lost like that series finale would be very different from, but that is you start off a show and you don't know where you're going to end. So you got to figure out how to plug, you know, plug some holes in it. And we were talking about plot holes or we will at some point that there are some things from previous movies, you know, from 11 years ago that don't really make sense here because they didn't plan it for 11 years.
0: Yeah. And uh, it, it, that's kind of a magic trick that this film is playing with. Uh, a lot of the old films get referenced, but I think if you go and look at which films are being referenced and why they seem to work fairly well into the continuity of this film, it's probably because the director uh, is the Russo brothers, Anthony and Joe Russo, and they right. did Captain America, Winter Soldier. Uh, they did Civil War and Infinity War, which are arguably the three biggest films movies that tie into this one probably the original avengers we could throw in there too yeah the writer of this film uh is christopher marcus who did the first avenger film uh he did uh all of the captain america movies he did thor dark world uh also apparently stephen mcfeely he did some rewrites on this film and he had worked a lot with christopher marcus So really, all four of those guys, both the writers and both the directors, have worked together for quite a while in this Marvel universe, and they're referencing a lot of their own work. Right. So I I think that's why some of this stuff um, kind of uh, dovetails into itself fairly well. I mean, we'll get into some of the areas where... They may have written themselves into a corner, but overall, I think it's a satisfying story, at least on the first viewing. I don't know going back if I'd be as happy with some of the um, plot points.
1: Um, yeah, because you, you mentioned the, cause with the Russo brothers doing, you know, they did Winter Soldier, they did Civil War, and they did Infinity War. I mean, those are especially with Winter Soldier. I think that's really where you see the Marvel movies took a turn to get that grittiness in there. You know, because the the Marvel movies were at least initially were known kind of for being the having funny stuff in them. Uh, But really starting with Winter Soldier, you realized that like Captain America, you couldn't trust anybody because he had, you know, his his former best friend is the Winter Soldier. Plus the group he's working for, S.H.I.E.L.D., has been infiltrated by Hydra, the group he fought during World War Two, you know, who are worse than the Nazis in a lot of ways. And so you really see this difference where it's like that's where you get that turn where you can't trust anybody. And that gets paid off in Civil War, because, or not paid off, but continues with Civil War because now you have not only a S.H.I.E.L.D., but now you have the Avengers fighting with each other, you know?
0: Oh, so, oh yeah. Uh, They're very good at getting some quieter moments into a film. Yeah. Uh, getting those uh, character moments where, you know, we can see the, the struggle that two people are having. Uh, I think they really got the whole Iron Man versus Captain America thing going. And that plays out very well in this film. Uh, The other thing I really liked was Black Widow gets a fair amount of screen time. And we see that she has two very different friendships. One with Captain America and the other with Hawkeye. Right. she becomes a much more well-rounded character where she's always just been secondary. She's just, you know, something to add to um, the set dressing, you know, just so that she's there in the background.
1: Well, yeah, because I remember like in the Iron Man 2 was her first movie where, you know, again, if you kind of know the name, you know who she was going to be. But she was introduced as just the secretary and even uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Pepper, jokes like I think Iron Man says, oh, she'd be great. And then Pepper says, well, no, she's a lawsuit like or and I mean, I forget exactly what phrase. But obviously, if you know Tony Stark's reputation, you know what the lawsuit would be. And then she's got that scene at the end when, you know, uh, Happy Hogan is beating up one guy and she whips everybody around and she beats up like 12 guys by herself. And that was really kind of her role, uh, again, until Winter Soldier, where she and Captain really get close. Uh, and then, you know, she members, you know, Hawkeye, her and the, and the Avengers, her and Hawkeye, you know, have quite a joke. And they have a, I forget if, if you say it's a MacGuffin or if it's a, you know, uh, background where they keep talking about what happened in Budapest, but they never show Budapest. You know, because it was one of the Avengers ones where he goes, "Hey, this reminds me of Budapest," and Hawkeye's like, "You remember Budapest a lot differently than I do." And then <laughs> even in this, and even in this movie, when they're you know they're flying or they're they're just going into some scene, and then they go, "Hey, it's just like Budapest, right?"
0: Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No. so
1: and when I'm fine with that, I just, obviously you talk about a character like these characters know each other that you know, it's like you and I or any of our friends, we can just mention, like, one guy, like, we say one phrase, and we know exactly what happened and where we were when it happened, but nobody else would know.
0: Yeah, it definitely adds a certain depth to the world, and I think this film's very good at referencing stuff like a Budapest, except they've shown us a lot of times in the previous 21 films, uh, those little bits. The problem is... Do you think most audiences have seen the previous 21 films and remembered them? Uh, um, I asked my students this, and generally in most classes, I only had two or three kids that had seen all 21 films. Maybe half my class had seen around half of the movies. They weren't really sure how many they'd seen, and they kind of remember them. But they're yeah. all going to go watch this this weekend.
1: Right. I think, th- yeah, this is. Um, and I was talking with somebody else about this, uh, another podcast I listened to, I I correspond with the host and we're talking, he was talking about, um, like the Harry Potter, uh, movies and the books and then the movies and talking about like these generational things, like in the seventies, you know, if you grew up there in that point, like we, we talked about this before, like star Wars, like the, the, the original trilogy, that's like your series that you always talk about. My parents, I know my mom especially, you know, she liked the Lord of the Rings, the books. And so we always talked about those growing up. And then for, you know, you and me, and because we're a little older when these first came out. But I think growing up on the Saturday uh, morning Marvel shows like X-Men, Spider-Man, Batman, the animated series, when we finally got to see a movie that was good, comic book movie, you know, with Iron Man and stuff, it really, that became our generation. You know, even oh, like in high school. I, the Lord... I would
0: argue that there were better, or that we had solid superhero movies earlier than that. I, I would say the first two X Men movies really showed what a superhero movie could be. I don't know if we really had to wait till what, like two thousand seven, two thousand eight.
1: Yeah, and that's that's true. But I was just more like, I guess what I was trying to say was like the kids today, like they have these type of movies, uh, these Marvel universe, to be kind of their big series, I guess. You know, much like you'd have like the Indiana Joneses or, uh, you know, just any kind of series that had some planning. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know. Would this be like the biggest, like outside of like those directed DVDs, like uh, Tale, Land Before Time movies, like the biggest series of movies that are connected? Outside of like
0: James Bond, which really isn't connected. They just have the same character name. Probably at least in uh, Northern America. I think there are some samurai
1: uh, Right. Well, there's like those El Santo Santo movies and the Massacre, you know, Mexican wrestling movies from the, uh, you know, like the Mm -hmm. 60s and stuff.
0: But is this a series of movies uh, earlier you likened it to TV and the episodic nature? Uh, I'm watching Game of Thrones right now. That's getting ready to finish with episodes that are 80 to 90 minutes each. The production values are incredibly high. It blows away what movies could do just 10 years ago, and yet they're putting out an episode every single week at the cost of something like 40 or 50 million dollars per episode. Uh, Marvel itself is going to be coming out on Disney Plus, the streaming service that comes out here in the fall, and they've already announced a couple of TV shows about the marvel universe Uh, loki's getting a tv show as is uh, scarlet witch and vision and everyone's Mm -hmm. expecting real high production values out of that there's also going to be a star wars tv show uh the mandalorian i think mandalorian yeah that's right thank you and you know apparently that already looks fantastic so are we starting to hit the point now where special effects are so good There's enough audience where you can put a lot of money into a TV show, where the distinctions between episodic TV and episodic movie making are kind of going away.
1: Yeah, I I think so. I mean, because if you look, some of those that like I I know, like on Netflix, like the Black uh, Mirror shows, you know, some of those episodes are full length features, or at least you know they're more than an hour, less than an hour and a half, and so. Yeah, you know, those budgets are probably just as big as anything else. You know, I think of some of those, you know, like a, I don't know, even like a Reservoir Dogs, like a you know thing where like I, I gotta imagine like a Game of Thrones one episode's got to be worth more as far as to
0: production cost more than Reservoir Dogs did or whatever. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, going to, back to what you said about Black Mirror, I could easily see some of those scripts being picked up by. Uh, indie filmmakers and being turned into their own horror movie instead they mm-hmm. were picked up by this bbc production and was, you know they get a little bit more money so that the value the production values are solid and fairly well-known actors are playing in these films or these tv yeah. episodes but yeah i don't even know what to call them so. it's an
1: anthology, and it's kind of like uh, I think like Twilight Zone was like this originally. It's it's for it's for unsellable or unused pilots where okay, you've got one good idea for a show, but you can't make a whole series of it, so let's make it as a
0: one an anthology series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I'm excited. But to get back to Endgame, in and of itself, if if this was the only Marvel film, you know they just. Whatever. Here, read the comic book about Infinity War In in this movie just standing alone by itself. Is this a good film? Is this a satisfying summer popcorn flick?
1: I think so. I think you'd have to see Infinity War with this one uh, to kind of get it. But, uh, yeah, I think you'd have to do it. And I remember, I know, um, I don't remember if it was the Russo Brothers or somebody through Marvel. They're kind of trying to come up with ways to... Because for fans, like, you know, I didn't do it this time, but, you know, a lot of times people will watch, like, all the movies in a series before the next one comes out just to kind of get it, and it's <laughs> like, okay, 22, 21 movies is a lot. Like, actually, I did do it last year with Infinity War, but, you know, there have been two or three movies since then, so it's like, how do we do this? And I think the Russos came up with, here are, like, the four you have to watch. Like, do you have to get the, the, three, uh, the four other Avengers in there. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, yeah, three other Avengers in there at the movies, and, like, Civil War, you know, you kind of have to hit it like there's like five or six that you probably should watch in order to get it. And actually, funny thing, when I saw this I, the movie theater, I saw this in this, is the Alamo Draft House. They do uh, they do some uh, regular trailers for the movies, but before the movie starts, they do. Um, content-specific trailers. And so for this, they did a thing like uh, the old school TV shows where they go previously on the Avengers. And they did they summarized all of phase one in like three minutes. And they said previously on the Avengers. And they summarized all of phase two. And then they did all of phase three. So you really could see the highlights of every movie in about five or six minutes.
0: Oh, wow. that That's impressive. Uh, yeah. I went into this movie pretty cold. I've seen all the films, so I felt like I knew what was coming. And... I feel like I got most of the references. There was one at the end of the film that we can talk about in the spoiler section that
1: yeah, I, I, I had I, to been,
0: look up who the kid was. I, I did do the same thing. When I but, saw
1: this, I, who was that?
0: <laughs> but as I was watching it, I thought, you know, I, I'm enjoying the action scenes. They're pretty good. I don't know if we ever hit the level of the airport scene in Civil War, or just that all-out brawl. There is a knockdown, drag out brawl at the end of this film where everyone shows up. I don't think that that's a spoiler. I think it would be a spoiler to say that it doesn't happen (laughs) because that's what everyone wants. And there is a line where one of the characters says, It's not enough. We need more. And they're like, Who else can we bring in? Like, look around, and sure enough, some more superheroes show up in dramatic (laughs) fashion. And yeah. I did enjoy at the end, you know, when they're getting ready to fight this uh, five second pose down where every right. character gets, you know, hit, hit your iconic look, you know, kick the leg out to the side as you crouch down and, you know, throw one of your arms back to keep your balance. Yeah, well, one of the things I noticed was, uh, you know, as we are watching the movie is that and
1: all this every one in the series is that every every character has got their own theme song. Or theme music and then the avengers have their own one as a group and you could kind of see the parts of the movie that were picking up because they would cue the music for a little bit so like when iron man had a scene they played a little bit of iron man type of songs when the avengers got together they played a little bit of that when captain america got there they played his You so said they cue, not you only had to do a couple of bars and realize oh this is his scene right now
0: oh yeah no they, they definitely had those callbacks i was glad that uh Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans got a fair amount of screen time because I didn't feel like their characters got a got enough in Infinity War and again it's you've got so many characters that you have to balance screen time and give them all their own motivations and subplots that it's hard to balance all of that right Uh, Right I thought Chris Helmsworth he probably had the best scenes for you know the not limited amount of time he was on screen, but he probably had the best character arc through the whole film. At least, I mean, it was funny at times. It was sad. He had some great action scenes. Yeah, I think he definitely had
1: uh, the most fun with his character design in this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, he just, he looked like he was having a ball. It was a joy whenever he was on screen. It definitely reminded me of uh, Thor 3, Ragnarok, where, where he, he even ha- when he's fighting for his life, he can still have moments of glee that translates really well to the audience. Right, And it doesn't have to be the serious Shakespearean voice
1: like he was in the first one, especially where you know now he's more comfortable. As, you know, he really is becoming a human as much as he was an Asgardian. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's, he's got to walk both those lines. And he could, there's you know parts of when he's like he has to act more
0: like old
1: Thor, and he kind of forgets how to.
0: Yeah, no, I, I thought that stuff was great. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to hopefully more Thor movies. I would love the director of Thor 3 to do more stuff, Taka Watiti. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, he's great. Hopefully he gets involved. His character has a little cameo in this film, shows up. You get to hear a little bit of him.
1: So yeah. I, I thought
0: all that was great. Uh, it, It's hard. I, I know we're trying to avoid giving away certain plot details because... A lot happens in this movie. A lot happens early on, in the middle, and even at the end. So, I I guess should people go see this movie?
1: Uh, Yes, especially if you put eleven years in.
0: Okay. Do you feel that people should see this movie in three D or in IMAX or just any bit screen will do?
1: I don't know that you know. I'm never big onto the the three D or the IMAX because again, just for me personally, I, I don't see the benefit, but. I think there would be some parts, like the big battle scenes, would be definitely cool in three D, um, IMAX. I don't know. I know you and I have done the uh, the rumble chairs and all that, and I really not a you know it doesn't bother me one way or the other for those either. But I can see where it'd be kind of cool. But for three hours, it's a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I do like the really big sound where you have the subwoofer underneath your seat, but. Three hours of game, my bladder shook might be a little difficult to sit through. This was definitely yeah. a movie where I saw a lot of angry people rushing off to the bathroom and trying to get back before they missed anything.
1: Yeah. No, I did, uh, I, made, I, made, I had to make the one trip during the movie out real quick. And that was the other
0: thing I saw, which was funny. People would
1: posted online about, you know, at what scenes could you duck out and come back in within like a minute and not miss anything.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that is helpful advice. Uh, I so. would say go watch this on IMAX if you can. If I went well, I to the theater scene, again, I would definitely want to watch it on IMAX. For yeah, me, it's, it's always get the biggest screen possible. Was that and
1: and it's one of those ones where it's filmed for IMAX. You should do it. You know, a lot of those movies early on were retrofitted for 3D or or whatever the term is, and it's like, okay, well, so you're just this. Not everything needs to be in IMAX, but if this movie was filmed that way, yeah, you should see it the way it was intended to be
0: watched. Yeah, I don't think we have to tell people you have to rush out and see the movie this weekend. And in a way, I feel sad about that. When we were teenagers and movies were still being shown with film reels, you had mm-hmm. to get out early because this movie at a lot of theaters is playing 24 hours a day. That film is yeah. going to take a beating and that would really show up two or three weeks later. You would see scratches. The film's a little faded. It's not quite as vibrant of a film as right. it once was. So there really was an impetus to get out and see the movie as quickly as possible. Now with digital projection, this movie will still look great, and I'm sure that in a year or two, when the next big Marvel film comes out, there will be re-airings of this film at your local cinema. So I think so. Right.
1: Even looking at looking at our movie, th- I'm just we're talking about the yeah, 24 yeah. hours. Looking at my local movie theater. It's got times for between every 15 minutes to every 30 every 15 to 30 minutes. It's being shown, started at 9 o'clock, and going to 11:30 uh, p.m.
0: Just a regular, oh, you know, just a you know AMC Regal type of theater. Well, you gotta make your money while you can. Uh, I guess before we get into spoilers, we should say that uh, our next episode is going to be the Bots Office Challenge. We love, in when the summer comes, to pick movies and try and figure out how much money they're going to make. This year we're going to do it where we're all going to guess how much money uh, a list of films is going to make. The first film on that list is Avengers Endgame and you said it's going to make 270 million dollars this weekend domestic box office. Uh yep. Lusk and I both randomly guessed 277. <laughs> so uh, we'll yeah. see who takes the early lead. Uh, It's still too early. We're recording this first thing Saturday morning, so we don't even have the first of the bot's office numbers to come in yet. But we will have that that episode coming out here in about two weeks, I'd say.
1: Okay. Does that count like pre-sales and stuff too?
0: Yeah, it's everything. All the Thursday night showings will count in there. So I know a couple of years ago, you guys had that one, Star Wars, the
1: first one, the episode seven came back out like that. I forget if you or Lusk had picked that. It's like, well, it's already made this much money and it hasn't even been shown yet. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> they did a sale like in, you know, you know, like in April for the movie that came out in December.
0: Yeah. I think that was the year he said that he would take Star Wars. He would be the nice guy and take Star Wars and he would let me pick four films. <laughs> four. Like and I told films. him, I don't even want to do this, but we, we still did it. But that is, I think, <laughs> only one of his two wins ever in uh, the box office challenge. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. But we will have that episode here in about two weeks for the listeners. But I think now we've got to get into spoilers because there is a lot to talk <laughs> about with this movie. If you haven't gone and seen the film yet, uh, please pause the podcast, rush out to your local theaters, and watch Avengers Endgame. All right, spoiler time. Yeah, spoilers. All right, anything you gotta get off your chest about this movie?
1: Um, no, like I said when we talked before, <laughs> I I usually come up with like questions and just things I hit, and yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for it. I think I'm a sucker for uh, homages and pop culture references and all that. And uh, this movie had a lot of them. You know, we talked about it, uh, references to themselves, and then references to like you know the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and things like that. So, um. I liked uh, the, there was my favorite part of, as far as the thing is they did, they had to do time travel because, you know, the big part is that Thanos destroyed, after the snap, Thanos destroyed the, uh, the stones. And so they couldn't find them anymore or know where to find them. So they had to go back in time and get them. And I liked it because you had the humans characters and then you had the alien celestial characters and they had completely different viewpoints on how time travel worked. And the humans, you know, they did it based off of movies. So they talked about, I think they mentioned Time Cop, which is like the worst one. Um, and they talked about, um, you know, Back to the Future, which is, you know, kind of the pinnacle uh, one. And, you know, and they would talk, I liked it because they talked about the movies for time travel. And then they, they did scenes mirror uh, mirroring the time travel. Because I mentioned Back to the Future. And then um, Back to the Future 2, there's a scene when Marty's trying to go get the uh, the sports almanac back from Biff. And he gets caught up with something and then he gets knocked out by himself and Biff steals the sports almanac. And then in the scene where they go back to the original Avengers movie, uh, Tony Stark has the Tesseract and he gets knocked out by Hulk in pretty much the same way that Marty did. You know, oh, and, then, and oh. then Loki and loaded, And I know you have an issue with, uh, with Loki, uh, but that was just like, oh, they do. You know, they talk about this and then they, you know, they mirror the exact same scene. Uh, and then the other one they did was—correct with, with, uh, me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while—but in *Time Cop*, the big part is that if you time travel, you can't touch yourself; otherwise, you, know, you can't touch your mirror image because you'll—you'll you'll disrupt time. And so they referenced the movie, correct. but then—but then Captain America fights himself with no problem whatsoever, and actually even like he knocks himself out, <laughs> like he—you uh, know, he, like he almost kills himself, but there's no like, oh, yeah.
0: repercussions. When they said when the movie announces, "Hey, we're going to be time traveling," I was not excited. That was when I went, "Uh oh, this is this is going to be bad." Because the problem with any time travel movie is it creates plot holes. It is very difficult to have some sort of internal logic that stays consistent. And right. we we were texting yesterday, and I've done a lot of research. I've been reading up on websites and finding stuff this movie has a lot of plot holes. There are a lot of unresolved plot threads because of these uh, time travel aspects. I, I right. was not a fan. I mean, I enjoyed individual scenes. You, you mentioned the Avengers scene. Getting to see Robert Redford's character was kind of cool. But when Loki's able to escape with one of the Infinity Stones, to me, that changes the whole timeline. How does that all get resolved? There was the elevator scene where Captain America goes on and he gets the Infinity Stone away from the HYDRA agents by saying Heil, uh HYDRA, or whatever. Hail, hit yeah. HYDRA. But then <laughs> that completely Hydra. will then change uh, Winter Soldier. Like, it, it does change the timeline drastically. Oh, for and, sure. And they don't explain how all that stuff is going to get worked back. They're just going, well, if you return the Infinity Stone to this exact moment you stole it, then everything will be fine. But they don't explain, well, how are you supposed to show up in an area where there are already two Captain Americas, you know, the third time cap, let alone they're stealing objects from other timelines. Like now Thor doesn't have his hammer for the second and third r- film. Right.
1: Right. So, I mean, they, uh, yeah, so I mean, they do play loose and they, you know, they do mention they try again, again, try to, but, you know, not great with the celestial saying like, that's not how time travel works. And I guess, you know, by jumping through space, you do time travel because of the distances you have to go. Um, and then you also have the issue where I think it's Bruce Banner, Hulk is talking with, um, I forget her name, but Tilda Swinton from a uh, Dr. Strange. And she shows you the timeline and the offshoots. And that's where Hulk says, well, if you go back to
0: the beginning, then it should all reset itself. But Yeah, if we bring the stone back. But we're doing all these other things and changing stuff. We're telling the original Captain America that Bucky's alive. Well, again, you just change the whole Winter Soldier storyline pretty dramatically. Right. At least in my mind. Let alone, oh, we can only go into the past... Uh, one round trip for each of us. But then when they need to, oh, let's just go to the 1970s and get more of these pin pr- particles so then we can time travel as much as we want. W- well, when they introduce uh, that uh, two-thirds of the way through the film, I'm like, this is lazy writing. You, you, you yeah, well, up, that's where I think... I don't know. They, they set up a rule and then they break it when it becomes convenient after they've written themselves into yeah. a hole. And I, I get that that's also part of just a hallmark of... Comic books and the way they tell stories, and that there will be these plot holes and continuity issues. But that's where I feel well, I this movie would break down on subsequent reviewings.
1: Yeah, well, part of it, I think, and I'd have to walk back and double check it, but I know it was uh, Scott uh, Scott Lang Ant-Man was the one who talked about only having enough because Hank's no longer around. And then it's Iron Man who comes up with the idea about where to get more of this stuff. So it would really just depend on. You know, I forget now because Iron Man was reluctant to do time travel at the beginning, but then joined up like, you know, when did those scenes happen? Did Scott talk about only having enough for one trip before Tony got involved and Tony comes up or was Tony not listening? But, you I mean, you're right. It's just it's one of those things when you have like a hundred characters in a movie and you have to try and fit every one of them. That's the reason, why, you know, I think you talked about before. Trying to work on writing a movie based off of uh, based off of something that you have to cut out a lot of characters because you got to, you really do need to streamline a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, um, I've also read some fanboy stuff that the location of the Infinity Stones was wrong, that characters and stones were in the wrong locations for this film, but they just you know kind of lied to us and put stuff where it yeah. needed to be. I'd have to see that. I I don't know. I I don't remember the films well enough to get upset at that part. But there were moments in the film where I just went, "Oh, this is lazy." And you know, can we just can we get moving forward? I I did enjoy at the end. They gave me a big knockdown, draw, drag out brawl. I thought that was very well shot. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the 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 small moments. You know, Peter Parker hugging. Tony Stark, and we got some exposition there, you know, as Parker explained what the other side, all the snapped people had experienced. Yeah. You know, that, that was that was good, and that was well done exposition that, you know, quickly got through stuff, and I was kind of thinking at that point, why couldn't they do, have done some of that type of exposition earlier in the film, because this is three hours, and the film is a bit bloated. It didn't need to be three hours.
1: Right. No, it definitely could I, I think cut down.
0: Yeah, two and a half hours, I think you could have gone away with. Uh, there were just some scenes that just, they went on too long. Uh, trying to get Natalie Portman's Tesseract st- or Infinity Stone away from her, that went on too long.
1: Yeah, and, and they I kept fighting. shooting
0: her from behind where I'm going, that's not even Natalie Portman. That's a stand-in. It seemed yeah, like Natalie Portman thinking. agreed to show up for one morning and they got like two shots with her and the rest of the time they just had to shoot around with... Uh, Stunt doubles and such.
1: Yeah, and I thought at one point because again there were for, you know there was a part where Thor sees her down the hall uh, from Thor uh, Dark World and like again you know it's her voice and I was uh, part of me was thinking because I think they do show her at some point like in bed or something that they were just going to do like the old like uh, either uh, death mask capture they've done for the Star Wars movies or they had unused footage from Thor that they could use because mm. you know she kind of famously wasn't in the movies you know too much like she they always wrote her out of outside of the first and second thor she's been out of the movies like i think in avengers they say she's off somewhere and in, in hiding and all that so i was wondering if they did that you know if they just had unused dialogue and unused footage from her that they could just dub in but maybe she was there i mean i think she's in the credits but she's definitely you know as far as a leading lady from the first from the movies
0: not in there at all Yeah, I mean, I I appreciated that they found a way to try and get pretty much everyone from the Marvel Universe into this film for at least, you know, a scene so that they pop up Uh, in that way. It kind of reminded me of Ready Player One, where it's if we're going to have all these references, let's do let's do everything. Right. Well, that's the, uh, when
1: you mentioned Robert Redford and then, you know, it's one of those deals like, you know, the current guys, when they travel back, they know he's a bad guy and they know, I think the guy's name is like the, on the elevator, uh, Rummel is a bad guy and they know the bald guy's a bad guy. They know all these guys are bad guys,
0: but they have to kind of play along with it. Yeah, and there is the I think Paul Rudd says, How did you not know these were bad guys? They look like bad guys. <laughs> they look like this guy looks like a bad guy. And you're like, and Yeah, they kinda do. Why didn't we get that the first time through? Yeah. So well, I, I did like some of those moments that were self aware. Yeah. Uh, a, I a, wish there was a, a little bit more of that though. Yeah, that's a Paul Rudd thing is to uh
1: point plot holes in his own stuff. I think that's I think he and like didn't him and Michael Douglas, you know, have a little tiff for one of the Ant-Man because Douglas does all the exposition and then Paul Rudd just blows it off with a joke. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we do this, this, this and this. He goes, oh, that sounds great. Let's just do it now. It's like (laughs) I've been talking for 10 minutes. You have one line. You get all the laughs.
0: Yeah, I, I, I thought Paul Rudd. I thought he was great in the film. Uh, he he added some levity his action stuff was fine i don't know how much you can do by just getting small when there's a giant battle going out but going on but it was what it was are you sad that iron man is dead and captain america seems to have been written out of these films are are they going to come back down the road or are we done with them
1: i'm i'm not all that sad you know it's one of those when watching i'm thinking oh this is going to be you know interesting or whatever um but I thought it was um, good because it was th- they were trying to, um, and it's just one of the issues you know you've brought up in the past with with Marvel movies specifically is that they've never had to recast anybody's roles outside of a uh, um, war Minor machine stuff, yeah, yeah, just because Terrence Howard you know wanted more money or whatever the deal was, but they did that, but you know they've kept them all, and so what you have here instead of like. You know, DC has this issue where it's like, oh, Ben Affleck's going to be Batman now. It's like, what? Like, for no reason. And so here it's like, at the end of it, Captain America, he didn't pass it on to anybody, but, you know, his daughter and actually, well, he kind of passed it on to, uh, you know, Pepper's got her own Iron Man suit to fly around in, which was bizarre. It wanted a little bit more exposition than that, but where she's just flying around in it um, and it can actually fight. But the idea is Captain America passes his shield over to Falcon uh, because that has happened in, in various forms of the comics is that the Falcon has become, they call him different names, whether he's Captain America with the Falcon suit or he's Falcon with the Captain America shield. And like even Thor passed his kingdom over to Valkyrie so Thor can do more stuff. You know, it's kind of, uh, they're smart, I think, for doing it in the movie so that you can spin it off into a TV show. Because I think Falcon's going to be one of the TV shows uh, on Disney+. Plus. Him and I
0: think it's Hawkeye are having a show together. That's fine. I would not want to see a um, Falcon, Captain America film. That doesn't excite me. I don't think... I mean, nothing against the actor. He's fine. He does well in his role. But there's not enough star power. There's not enough wattage there where I would feel like I want to watch a whole film with him. Right. Maybe he'll change my mind. But again, plot hole, where did that shield come from? is the other Captain America shield got destroyed by Thanos.
1: Well, yeah. We're changing
0: got- timelines.
1: Well, I think he, uh, he he probably got it from the past, but that would change it too, so...
0: Uh-huh.
1: Or maybe, maybe they made uh-huh. a second one, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he asked Howard to make him another one out of the rarest element on the Earth, except for all of Wakanda is made of it.
0: Which there's no more of, this is the only... Sh- I, I, I don't know, it just, it did bother me. Yeah. They wanted to have that moment, I understand the moment itself was cool, but in the larger scheme of things, you're creating problems. Maybe seeing that Peter Parker's whole school is back in session like nothing happened. Maybe they'll explain that in uh, Far From Home when that comes out in July. Hopefully they do. I'm sure we'll be reviewing that film, but I don't know. Uh, um, I guess the other thing is this is a summer blockbuster film. It's got tons of eye candy. What do you think of the special effects? Uh, the other co-host, Richard Lusk, he loves to talk about how fake the special effects look. <laughs> In films. Yeah, um, were you ever taken out of this film or were you just that's awesome
1: no I mean there's some parts because uh I know um one of the bigger changes was all of last movie uh Hulk couldn't Bruce Banner couldn't turn into the Hulk at all and in this one he is permanently the or he, he can change back and forth but he likes being the Hulk now with Bruce Banner's mind and there's a part in the diner I think when the kids show up when they first kind of meet the Hulk again um and we, we catch up with him and he's just eating like stacks of pancakes and eggs like that's where it, you can tell they were trying to show that this guy can interact with everybody but he really can't and like it really did look off to me and um i don't know if you had that stuff too with the hulk but you know it's one of those things i think they had that issue it was like when the um, gardens of the galaxy is kind of the other big example when you had like rocket and group but a lot of them did it together so you could do it all animated and, you know, you didn't have to have a lot of other stuff involved.
0: Like, humans involved. In real, yeah.
1: Uh, you well, know, like, Mary Poppins and the Dancing Penguins or something.
0: Yes. Uh, no, I, I agree. that it. it Gardens of the Galaxy is more careful with how they're shooting it. I thought with Hulk, they changed the face so it looked more like Mark Ruffalo. And they shrunk the head down a little bit. It wasn't as big and bulbous. Mm-hmm. But they also were careful to avoid showing us the whole Hulk interacting with other people. They would put him behind a table or a desk, you know, some computers. The one time when they didn't was on the dock, when he gets upset and he throws the bench Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: there was something off in that shot. I thought that was the worst special effects shot in the whole film. And I don't know whether it was just the compositing and they didn't do the lighting and the shading on him. Right. But he really popped um, to the foreground on that. I didn't feel like he was seated at all. Yeah. Did you notice that one?
1: That one, that one threw me off horn and maybe if I watch back watch it back, it might be you know, the Hulk's part, but when they threw the bench, and maybe it's just me, I like it when they when you do that, you didn't see the bench land, I think they cut back away, so you didn't know if he was throwing it into the water, or is he throwing it into, like, you know, because it's on the lake, so did he throw it onto the land on the other side, you know, because I don't think he saw a splash or anything. And that may be that because of the way they... It was clearly animated. Like, that bench was not, like, a real bench mm-hmm. uh, being thrown you know, or, like, pulled or whatever. So maybe they just didn't think, oh, we'll just animate it somewhere. So it's it was, you didn't hear it, like, crash. You didn't hear it splash or something. And that's where I was like, oh, that would have been
0: kind of cool. But maybe it would have been too comical for what they were going for. Yeah, I guess we're supposed to have that sad moment after Widow has sacrificed herself.
1: Could I think of, like, when... Uh, in a like Hancock, when a, I think Will Smith throws a whale and back into the water and it takes out a boat like a cruise ship, <laughs> it's like he's trying to do the right thing, but he just throws a whale and it knocks over a ship and causes a bigger problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there, there's just something the, the speed of Holt's arm for chucking the bench that far. I know he's super strong, but you got to speed the bench up to a certain speed so that it can fly that far. Yeah. But if he was moving his arm that fast, then it would just become a blur. It just, uh, it, it didn't work. They were breaking the rules of physics in a way that just, it, it's a cheat that looked like a cheat to me. You know, sometimes you can cheat stuff and it, it looks fine. It looks cool. You know, when superheroes drop from way up high and they hit their, you know, cool one-legged pose. Right. I have no problems with that. It looks cool. It, it, I, I don't care what the physics say at that point, but... Yeah, something about that uh, bench just it, it threw me, and I realized that's a minor gripe in a film that probably had close to 3,000 special effects shots. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I thought Thanos was cool. I thought his fight scenes were great, and how they did that, I thought, was amazing because he is so much bigger than all the other characters, and it seemed like they were trying to do a lot of the stuff practically and really have um, stunt doubles engaging with you know someone on set it didn't seem to be all cgi there was a lot of cgi i'm sure they used digital doubles throughout yeah but overall it was cool and that fight with thanos gave the audience i was with the biggest pop of the night when thor's hammer comes flying to the rescue and you're like how's that happening and all of a sudden captain america's holding it the whole audience we all there were people that applauded and people like me i just started laughing i thought that's awesome that just makes me giddy and I I was a little kid for that moment I know I've been kind of down on this film at parts but watching Captain America wield uh the hammer Mm -hmm. that was awesome that that was very cool that was a very good payoff I thought
1: well and that pays off from Ultron and Tom kind of combine two things we talk about special effects I think for like that where when they dealt with Ultron like there's very few parts of Ultron would I think like, oh, he's there, that's not like a guy in a robot suit. Like I know that they had the joke where you know, James Spader had to have like a four foot pole. So that's where Ultron's head would be, uh, you know, to look and talk to him. But you could tell like they're interacting with Ultron directly versus again like Hulk. Maybe it's because Hulk is just such a comically unproportional person. Like there is no way a person could look like that in real life to some extent. Uh, but the thing, too, in, in Ultron, there's a scene when, you know, they're all all the Avengers are drinking and having fun. And they're all trying to take turns to lift up Thor's hammer. And, you know, uh, Vision is the one who can actually pick it up. But Captain America, I think they say moved it. And I've watched it a few times and I've never noticed it like moving. Maybe it flinches it or something. But it's the idea of being worthy. And he's finally, you know, the whole point is he's finally worthy to hold it. It's, you know, Because it's not like that nobody can lift up Thor's hammer. It's that you have to be a worthy person. Kind of like... Uh, like the room of requirement or something in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. like when you need it, you can do it, but you don't need it otherwise.
0: Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed. I thought you know that was a nice little uh, moment, and then later on, I guess he and Thor have to trade weapons, mm-hmm. and Thor's going, you know, I want the big one, you take the little one. Yeah, you take the hammer. Yeah, so um, I, you know, I enjoyed all that. So I, I thought no. that was good. I'm not sure where these movies go from here. We know that Spider Man's coming out this summer. And apparently at Comic Con, the rumor is, uh, and I think Comic Con's the middle of July, that Marvel will announce Phase Four. Okay, yeah, this is San Diego one. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I know the other thing they had to do with this one specifically was uh, Tom Holland, who plays uh, uh, Spider Man, and Mark Ruffalo, who plays Hulk, were famous for like spoiling stuff. So they would give at least Tom anyway. He would have like a page at a time of just his dialogue in parts of these movies. I and mean, he he could be joking, but you know, I've heard him talk about this and other people reference it that, you know, he would get a page that's like and I think Bree Larson said this too about her cameo or not her cameo, the end credit scene from Captain Marvel was that she had this whole page that was all redacted and blacked out except for her line. <laughs> and then that that scene does end up not being in this movie at all, but you know, kinda of references
0: it. Yeah, I I think they they were smart. They did not give Tom Holland uh, very much to work with. Yeah, it, it was very clear he was alone on a set quite often just talking to a uh, pure green, you know, stand in. Well, there's that because, you know, as a, him being a lot younger than all the other actors,
1: which works for the movie, too. But the idea was, you know, he, he would filming it and he's taking selfies with stuff and he's fil- he's taking pictures of stuff in the background from the film in the movie. Yeah. It's like he, he stop posting these scenes like these two characters aren't supposed to be alive. You can't have a picture of them together. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that—that's something. The marketing they were very uh, good about not showing any characters that supposedly got snapped away. It'll be interesting to see, I, I guess, yeah. where they go. um Supposedly, well, we're getting Black Panther two. I guess Ryan Coogler has already gone on record saying he's directing it. Oh, that's uh, cool. People are supposing that that'll come in twenty twenty one. That would be the soonest. That's you know two years away. Uh, yeah there's rumors that they're going to do a black widow movie. The problem is right now, there are no Marvel films currently filming. There's nothing in the pipeline. Right. So and there's nothing like even the
1: secret double, like, you know, we're filming this as like blue harvest, you know, as under a fake title, like Argo, yeah. like they're filming a fake title yeah. movie.
0: I mean, it's possible that they are, but I think a lot of people have been snooping around and if they've kept this a secret, it's one of the best kept secrets ever in Hollywood. Right. But this means quite possibly next summer we get no Marvel films because I don't see how they can rush a movie into production and have enough time to do the post uh, production work, you know, add in all those special effects, cut the movie and get something out by next summer. Really? These are two, if not three year long films, you know, yeah. that it takes to produce them. Yeah. I think that that might be a misstep by Marvel to miss out on a whole year. I don't think that, the the public is going to take that well i think the public wants every year to at least have one marvel film to go watch something to look forward to
1: yeah that could be that could also be maybe uh, who knows with all the you know because disney's bought everything that there's something where they they had to get hold up on i know disney bought marvel years ago but maybe everything's on there kind of like let's wait and see you know until we finalize the fox deal the star wars deal let's get this stuff finalized let's get disney plus off the ground and a lot of those resources are going to produce the Marvel TV shows, and maybe they'll do a couple of those mini Marvel movie. You know, you know a lot of the DVDs used to have like a mini Marvel movie that you know bridged the two things, uh, the bridge two movies together. And maybe they'll do like maybe instead of a three minute one, they'll do like a an hour long one. Who knows? I mean, that's all my speculation.
0: Yeah, I, um, are you going to get I, Disney I Plus? Know. You think it's seven dollars I think a month or five dollars, whatever it's starting out at. I feel like i kind of have to it's so cheap that it's just the impulse buy
1: right i think they do have enough and the idea of the promise of all the disney movies from even from the vault which is you know you know disney's been famous for of uh you know causing their own supply and demand where you know it's the uh you know 10th anniversary of this it's the 30th it's the diamond it's whatever you know remastered like so that is you can't find you know snow
0: white anymore you know the original disney movie Oh, I think people that have a kid, this is a no-brainer to get Disney yeah. Plus. I think the Star Wars fan, Star Wars fans, uh, with the Mandalorian TV show, that you yeah. know they'll buy that for five bucks a month. Why not?
1: Well, that's where Star Wars. We talk. You know, we talk about Star Wars a lot on here, but you know the movies themselves. Unfortunately,
0: are, we talk well, about Star Wars I'm, a well, lot. Well,
1: this is. I'm actually on your side with this one, and that the, the Star Wars movies are really. Um, doing a lot of damage and where they can where the Star Wars is actually doing better is on those cartoons and T V shows they've had, you know, like the Clone Wars and stuff, which are, you know, much better and critically acclaimed than the you know, the last uh couple of movies have been, um, in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I've watched them a few times and like even watching you know, the real original trilogy, I still like it for what it is, but you know, the prequels, it's hard to get through those. The new ones are even harder to get through in a lot of ways, too. Because, uh, like, that's the problem here where they have so much stories they want to do. Like, with the Avengers, like, it doesn't need to be two and a half or three hours. I want a movie that's, like, 90 minutes, 87 minutes. You know, that's what watching talking about, watching Disney movies with, with my daughter. It's, like, ah, huh, hour and ten minutes, perfect, you know?
0: Yeah, in and out. The, I still have some evening left, yeah.
1: No, I, I get that. Um, and even in the, when you go into the theaters to watch it, it's like they do an hour and 10 minute movie and they'll do like a five minute you know, short and like a cartoon with it. And, and it's like, ha, ah, perfect. He breaks it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be doing reviews this summer. Like I said, we've got Spider-Man. There'll be some other stuff. So we'll be able to talk more about the direction that Marvel's headed after they announce what Phase 4 will consist of. Yeah. Um, what I mean, did you go ahead? I was going to say what did you think about I'm looking through my notes here.
1: Um Captain Marvel, what did you think? I was I was underwhelmed by her part in this movie. Like for all the hype from the last movie, which was, was was okay, wasn't great, but of all that, like she really, I don't know, you know, she comes in the first like I think 5 minutes and then she comes in like the last 5 minutes and she really doesn't do a whole lot in the movie as far as I can tell.
0: Yeah, well i get why that happens it's the superman paradox in all the justice league stuff with superman he is so overpowered and you know he's so much uh more powerful than everyone else you have to write him out of large chunks of the plot otherwise it's just well we don't need the whole justice league team we just need superman and right. when uh captain marvel can just fly through the giant warship and destroy the entire thing in 10 seconds it's great spectacle but yeah she's way overpowered thanos has to what grab the power stone to try and blast her away yeah
1: by itself yeah yeah because
0: Um. she is so powerful i mean she is single-handedly you know just wiping the floor with thanos until he kind of cheats to gain the advantage, so I understand why she wasn't in a lot of the film. I wasn't a huge fan of the Captain Marvel film, so I didn't mind that she wasn't in there. Well, yeah, and I, I know, like
1: the you know the big thing with their first with the Captain Marvel movie was you know seeing blockbuster again, which is you know kind of again nostalgic, but it's a it, that's a joke that's not going to hold up in five years. You know, it's one of those. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's good for the time and who's going to watch the movie. It's like, oh, it takes place in the 90s. But they could do that. They did that just fine, I thought, with like playing No Doubt and like, uh, you know, um, Nirvana music and stuff. Um, so there's that. Uh, what about, would you like to have seen any of like Luke Cage or any of those guys in the movie? Because they're in New York at different parts. <laughs> you know, I know there was rumors at one point, but like, you know, Daredevil, Luke Cage, uh, you know, they're not, none of those guys yeah. are in the movie. Yeah. Even like walking, like if Luke Cage is walking down the street and a building falls and he like it crushes a guy and then you don't see
0: it and then it turns out to be Luke Cage, you know. There was a hope I had. I've talked about that joke already at the final battle where it's not enough. We need more. I right. was really hoping someone would be like, "Well, we got this blind guy who's got a stick. <laughs> we got a lawyer, a blind yeah. lawyer. Yeah, Wait, who he, he can help us. You know, yeah. we, we we have this." uh girl who's really mad and you know she can punch pretty hard at least yeah. her stunt double can right
1: uh, a black guy so beats yeah up I, I didn't mind that
0: they didn't show up it would have been cool if some of the x-men had shown up i know yeah you know a lot of the fanboys were hoping for wolverine well even like if he had like deadpool like not even in the movie but he's like
1: you know kind of like mystery science theater during that big battle saying just turns and goes this is it guys brace yourself <laughs> Like no, ba- no, like no bathroom break. Like he turns to the audience, no bathroom breaks, guys, and he turns back to the audience od- to the movie.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I would know. love to see how it, it, that plays because you are breaking the fourth wall. And yeah. I don't, know, I think it, you could do it with Deadpool. Possibly. The, the problem is, you, you get the laugh, but can you get the audience back aboard watching the whole thing, right. or in the back of their mind, are they always waiting for Deadpool to show up again? You know, it's yeah. all right. Uh, they need some help. Let me, you know, help out here. And, and he jumps into the movie, like last action hero or something. Right. Right. So <laughs> There's... it, it might've worked. I would love to see it in a deleted scene or a director's cut and just see, you know, what happens with it. Yeah. Um, what'd you think about fat Thor? Uh, I, I thought it was fine as a gimmick. It was funny. Uh, it's that a... was probably one of the best special effects shots when he goes and he HUDs rocket raccoon. Yeah. And I thought, wow, it really looks like he's hugging a giant rat, yeah. And with the way the the fur is going, and everything I thought that's that had to be incredibly difficult. I was really impressed. Um, I'm sure Fat Thor was your favorite character in the whole
1: well, film. Part of, part of me was thinking, was hoping it was just it would, be, it would be funny. Was like, you know, because the whole joke is trying to stay in shape. And I know like Chris Evans has mentioned that like that's one of the reasons why he's he's glad to be done with Captain America. Um, Hugh Jackman, the same reason for Wolverine. It's like, okay, I'm in my 50s now. Like trying to get in shape's not the best thing in the world. Like the uh, Thor came, like Marlon Brando, where he just came in like super heavy, and they couldn't like have time to let him lose the weight. So all right, we're just gonna make him fat. <laughs> and uh, they do. I think I think it's a uh, Tony calls him <laughs> Big Lebowski, which is hilarious because he is walking around just drinking with, and you know, he's like, got the bathrobe on and the gloves. You go, all yeah. right, Big Lebowski. Yeah, which I is couldn't... great because because Jeff Bridges, you know, was in the first Iron Man. He's the bad guy,
0: so there were, I love that. Like that's a little homage there too. Yeah, no, I get that. At the end, was he back to being fat or was he thin? I couldn't tell at the end of the oh, film when he's when they talks about the Asgardians of the galaxies. Uh huh. Um, Just I, with the way know. they were shooting it, I couldn't really tell how chubby is he supposed to be. He's still got a fairly big beard on. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be. I don't know, maybe it's like a week later, a day
1: later. So he's probably back into shape and stuff. Um, Just, he but, wasn't fat in the battle against Thanos. Right? He wasn't as fat, but he wasn't like drinking anymore. But yeah, he was. He still had the gun on him. Because I, I noticed that when, when cause he has the old Thor costume on, that it's like it's stretching out at parts. It's not like the he's not like hanging over, but he is stretching out at parts.
0: Oh, okay. Fair, fair um, enough. I, that's
1: what I, what I saw. Sure. So I don't think it's a thing where his superpower like when he got in like Thor Ragnarok when he gets struck by lightning and he's all blue and glowing like Raiden uh in Mortal Kombat, I don't think he's like can be super skinny right away. Um so yeah, one of my final thoughts here, I was saying watching the watching the movie reminded me of like reading uh reading the last Harry Potter book where he was so antsy about seeing who would die and who, who would survive that it really like the next time I watch it I can watch it with like a lot more relief, I think. <laughs> knowing who comes it. like like because like you read the harry potter and then it's like ah it takes you you know you get through it and then you can if you read it again or watch the movie again it's like okay i already know what happened so i'm fine i can watch it now are you and planning be, on going and re-watching this
0: film in theaters
1: I, I don't know i would like to uh problem is my the theaters around us are selling out pretty quick and they have like single seats so uh my uh my wife didn't get to see it with what did you get into to she didn't see it with me and um this last time but I'm sure she she would want to see it again but it's just our time it doesn't work out this week as far as like babysitters and stuff like that go. Yeah, and, and if you don't, don't
0: see it this week it's going to be
1: out of theaters. <laughs> well, yeah, I know that. You know, that's the joke, but you know, I think she will if we ever if we can get like a quick night out or something like that, but it'll just depend on okay. it. So, I mean, I'm it's been a while since I've seen a movie in theaters like twice um, but
0: I'm not opposed to it either.
1: Except for Show. this one.
0: I am interested to hear what you think watching this film a second time. I'm probably not going to rewatch this film. I, I don't well, rewatch many films. I may watch bits and parts of this when it comes out on Blu-ray. But yeah, I'll definitely, I, I definitely am going to yeah. get this on like you know Blu-ray
1: or you know Amazon or wherever you know. I like I like getting digital digital movies like you know iTunes and stuff now more than
0: physical copies. But you know, I get that. So when this comes, you'll at least watch it again at home. Oh yeah, for sure. Like if I don't see this in theaters, I'm definitely going to
1: first, you know, if it comes out like over, I don't know if it'll be in the summer by this point, or maybe even they'll hold it off for like Christmas. I'll definitely get a copy of
0: it, you know, pre-order it. Fair enough, man. All right. Well, I guess that's our review of Avengers Endgame on our next episode coming out in about two weeks. We're going to be playing uh, the summer bots office challenge. Uh, we've got a list of films that we will be previewing, and then we we'll, we are each going to take a guess at how much money that film makes on its opening weekend, closest to uh, the correct answer, gets more points than the other people, and at the end of summer, we'll see which one of us actually knows the most about the box office. I guess you've never played one of these box office challenges. I think Lusk and I have done six or seven of these, and I think I'm up four to two against him. Yeah, no, I've, uh,
1: I'm, you know, historically bad with guessing numbers and money and stuff. So, um, you know, cause I, like we talked about this, I see stuff I like regardless, or I'll see, actually I'll even see stuff I don't like. So yeah, I have no, like I, I was one of those guys when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, the preview thinking of Marvel's finally got a dud and that became like a huge one. So it's like, <laughs> and, like I'm, not, I'm not, I like Guardians, but it was one of those like, oh, who's gonna watch this? It doesn't have anybody like in it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I, you know, I was conditioned with with wrestling, like, oh, he's got a wrestler, and it's not going to do well. With yeah, we'll,
0: we'll see what happens. Um, here in uh, Cinema Sit Down, it's a bit like the Thunderdome. It, it's it, it's difficult. So uh, I'm looking forward. We're going to have all three hosts on the next episode, so oh, it, it should it should be a lot of fun. But uh, thanks for joining me, Tony. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. I look forward to the next show.
1: Derby Dragons. Memento Mori. What did you think of today's show did the guys get it right or are you wondering what movie they watched send in your review by tweeting at csd podcast emailing cinemasitdown at gmail.com or messaging us on facebook.com backslash cinemasitdown Cinema Sit Down is a Flying Bull production. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, kind of like, you know, Ant Man got tacked on there and stuff in, in the original phases. Really, or like phase two, I think. Mm-hmm. Or Guardian. Uh, anyway. Right, and then so... The, the pre show is going to be longer than the show itself.
0: Well, this, I was hoping we'd say something funny that I then tacked oh. <laughs> on at the end. <laughs> we can, I know, don't we think say that's happening.
1: Iron, <laughs> we can say Iron Man's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how's that that for a spoiler
0: put that at the end people get mad all right (laughs) ready to go yes all right